thank you for being here. Well, if you're a guest here, I want to welcome you, and I want to just say, uh, please excuse our mess. We are torn up, and we are under construction. We are growing. Everything is torn up around here, right? It's craziness, but I uh, just want to let you know this is a temporary thing because uh, we are growing. We're in a rapidly growing community, and uh, just because you're in a rapidly growing community doesn't mean your church automatically grows. We're just getting to be a part of something neat and special that God is doing. What, I want to let you know, just uh, this is a temporary thing over the next few months. We're hoping that everything is going to be complete. The target, be flexible here, this is fluid, is uh, first part of October, late September, early October, kind of in there. We're hoping everything will be done. In the meantime, there's going to be a, a, a lot of inconveniences. And I want to thank you for kind of putting up uh, with that, you know, just for a little while. Let me tell you some things that are coming, because again, if you're new, or maybe you've been around, but you don't really remember why we're doing all this and what's going on. Um, we're in the summer months right right now, you can see that this service is pretty full. We, we are growing pretty fast. This wall is going to come out completely, and we're going to double this space. We're going to be able to go from uh, three services down to two services, which means I can preach doubly as long. No, I'm kidding about that, okay? But we're actually going to have more time in between services uh, to be able to get you in and out of here. Uh, that's coming down, double the space. We're going to have a gym during the week in here for our kids and students to be able to enjoy that. But I promise is still going to feel like a worship center on Sunday mornings. Uh, and just wanting you to know that's coming. We're going to be, you know how it's crazy right out there. You're coming in and everything's kind of a choke point. There's going to be, uh, we're going to be tripling our common space, more than tripling. And it's going to go all the way down. You're going to be able to enter from the back there. By the way, we're going to have paved parking in the back. Isn't that wonderful? Praise God for that. We're sorry that area is torn up right now, but there's just, I just want you to know, we're going to be uh, doubling, more than doubling our children's space because we have a lot of kids. And uh, that's great, isn't it? We're going to be starting a child development center at the 1st of January. We're going to have 183 children, Lord willing, on our campus that we're going to get to pour Jesus into every single day. You're not going to have a big building that's going to be sitting empty. We believe God wants this place to be used by our community for the Lord. And so that's going to be a big wing that's going to be going all the way. You've already seen it kind of on the side over there. Uh, there's going to be a brand new indoor playground right out front on that that part of the uh, patio that uh, will be seen from the fr from the uh, th folks that are driving by. There's going to be a big playground area, new playground area outside in the back that will have three different playground kind of age graded. Uh, they're going to be canopied because it's hot in Texas and we need shade, right? You're going to have that. And uh, I know I'm forgetting stuff, but I just want you to know that there's a lot that is, that we're more than doubling our footprint here at EVC because of your generosity because you continue to give, and you may be thinking, why in the world do we do this? Are we trying to be a big church? That is not our ambition. This is why we do this. We love people, and we believe that, that we need to have space for people to continue to grow. And uh, so there's some things that I want to ask of you. If you're a part of EBC, I want to just, before we get into the message this morning, no, this is not the message. This is the preamble to the message, okay? Before we get into the message, I just want you to kind of understand some things that we could, we could use some help in, okay? Um, we, we need you just to continue to stay faithful. If you're a part of EBC, this 
This isn't for you if you're a guest. We want you to come and just experience the Lord here and as you check out where God may have you. But if you're a partner here with us in EVC, stay faithful in your serving. Stay faithful in your giving, okay? It's important that you stay faithful in these things. It's kind of known in the summer months, this is kind of the way it is, that giving kind of goes down. And I am not the kind of pastor or we're not the kind of church that we don't beg you, we don't pressure you. But I do believe that as we share in this together, this isn't my church, it's the Lord's church, and it's ours as we are the body of Christ. So I don't bear this by myself. I share. I want to inform these things. Uh, I want to inform you so you kind of know what's going on. Giving always kind of goes down a little bit, but expenses go up in the summer. So we need to stay faithful in our giving, okay? Um, Expenses go up because we're doing things like this. Vacation Bible School, where we were averaging over 260 kids every night. Okay, yeah, you can clap for that. That's a lot of kids that are getting to hear about Jesus. It's one of the biggest ones around. They're going to camp tomorrow. We invest a lot in our students and our children. They're going to camp tomorrow. There's a lot of expenses that go along with that. Not to mention it's like a billion degrees outside, so it costs a lot of money for air conditioning. You're getting your electricity bills at home. You know what I mean, okay? So it's just important that we, uh, that we step up. We are not a bougie church. We're not. Some of you are like, what's that? Okay, talk to the younger people. We're not a bougie church. We are, uh, in fact, what we say, in fact, this building is very simple. It's very multi-purpose. Every room gets used over and over in different ways. We said from the very beginning, we kind of want to be South Lake in the front. And I grew up in Saginaw, so I can say this, and we're Saginaw in the back. You know what I mean? Okay, we are, we are a church mullet is what we are, Okay. That's exactly what we are. But uh, I'm just, I'm informing you, if you're looking for a church that just, again, we are not about this building. It's just a tool. We love people. We love people. And we want people to hear the gospel because it's changed my life. It's changed your life. So you you can stay faithful in those areas. And then here's the other thing I want to encourage you to do, okay? In the serving part, this, this service, next month is our biggest growth month. I'm going I'm to ask some of you to, for a few weeks, to move to the later service, okay? I'm going to be saying that a lot because, because we're, we're going to run out of space for guests who are coming. Now, if you're a guest, we're making space for you. But a way you can serve is to help us by just for, I'm not asking you to do it for a year. I'm just asking for a few weeks, a few weeks till we get our big doubled space, okay? That's coming up. So you'll be hearing more about that. But just be aware, we still got a little room right now in here. And there was room in the, in the last service. But it's coming to where we will, we will run out of space. I am telling you, we will run out of chairs. People will be standing. And the worst thing would be if they drive in and they drive away because there is no space or parking for them. So if you could help with that, it would be tremendous. Here's the other thing I need you to do. Be flexible because lots of things are changing. And I'm going to tell you, there's a big change coming in a few weeks. I'm going ahead and telling some of you who freak out with change because there's change coming. That wall's coming down. And it's coming down and we're going to be in a, in a situation for a little while where this stage is going to be torn up. Everything's going to be a little bit different in here. We're going to make it awesome for you and for the Lord, I promise. But here's the deal. I'm going to be standing right out in the middle of that spot right there, and we're going to be in a big circle. I get to look at every one of you up close, okay? And uh, you're going to get to look at my rear a lot. It's going to be uncomfortable. Just saying, I'm not happy about that either. Just stay flexible, okay? Remember, it's for a few weeks. Stay flexible with us. Things are going to be changing 
Doors are going to be changing where you can go in. Just We're just asking for patience. We're trying our best to make it the best for the Lord and also because we love this community and we can't wait to see all that God is doing here and continues to do here at EBC. And one more thing I got to share with you is that we're trying to create this place that is a hub for the gospel all over the world, not just here. It's not just about what's going on here in this area. But we support churches, church plants all over the world. And this week, I got a, I got a uh, picture from one of our church plant partners up outside of Toronto. They are a Spanish-speaking church in Mississauga in, in the Toronto area. They just celebrated their six-year anniversary. And I remember meeting with them when they had nobody coming. But you can see now that they are growing. And they wouldn't be able to do that if it wasn't for you and your generosity. So I want to thank you for that. But we want to stay healthy. We want to stay financially vibrant. We want to sow into others. It is our dream to give more away than we keep for ourselves. That's our dream. That's the kind of church we want to be. So we're not in a financial crisis. I don't want you to think that. Okay, um, but I do want you to know that we're just running a little bit behind budget. And again, it's not a crazy budget that we have. It's just kind of the basics of what we do to, to function as a church. So just keep that in mind. I don't share, I don't, um, I don't keep this stuff to myself anymore because it, would, it killed me when I did that. I share it with you now to share with me, okay? And so I'm grateful for you. That was the preamble. Now it's time to preach. You ready to go? Let's pray. All right. Father, we love you. We thank you that we're in a church that's growing and that even there's a lot of inconveniences, Lord, that we're experiencing, but, but it's because of, of growth. And so, Lord, we commit to being flexible. Uh, Lord, we also commit to being faithful with what you've entrusted to us. Uh, Lord, may your hand of blessing continue to be on the people of EVC. Thank you for our guests who are here today who are seeking you, Lord, and who are seeking a church family. I pray that they would feel our love, they would feel your warmth, they would feel a part as they seek a church family somewhere, Lord. We, we ask you to speak to us from your word. We thank you for your word. Would you teach us? Would you challenge us? Would you convict us? Would you lead us to be in a place where we are closer to you than when we came in? And it's in Jesus' powerful name that we pray and all God's people said, amen. Well, I remember whenever I was in fourth grade at Eagle Mountain Elementary, just down the road over there, and I uh, grew up out here, and I had a teacher. Her name was Mrs. Vick. I love Mrs. Vick. Uh, and Mrs. Vick would read to us. Now, I was a very active child. We'll put it that way, okay? Some of you heard teachers. My wife is a teacher. She knows exactly what I'm talking about. And, uh, but she, Mrs. Vick would read to us. And uh, by the way, I was an active child, and I had a hard time sitting still. Um, I had to ask Hope this yesterday, do they still give citizenship grades because I know everybody's great now and everything, you know? And she said, yeah, we actually do. Well, I, I would get an N in citizenship, okay? Did anybody else get those? You know what the N stands for? Okay, some of you know. You got them, okay? But you get the S, you get the N, some get the U. I don't remember getting those, but I got a lot of Ns. And there would always be these, this comment section, and the comment section was lacks self-control, um, impulsive, would write that down, and then this will shock you, talks over everyone else, 
All right, my teachers would write that about me, and it was this self-fulfilling prophecy that came about. It's true. And uh, I'm trying to use my voice for God today. But she would write, but she would read to us, and I remember her in that reading time, she she introduced this story to us, this book. Anybody ever read this book? The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. I love that. I was captivated while she was reading this. I never sat so still in my life. Every time she would read this, I was just fixated upon this story. And uh, in fact, it was interesting because I think she figured something out that this actually got me quiet and still. And so she, I, she like read it to us like 12 times that year. I mean, it was crazy. She didn't, but, but it did just like... I didn't know at the time all of the imagery in this book had to do with a lot of Christian things. I certainly didn't know anything about the author who it was written by, help me out, C.S. Lewis. Anybody know anything about this guy? I didn't know anything about him when I was a little kid. But what is his, what is his name? It's Clive Staples Lewis. What do we know about him? C.S. Lewis was one of the greatest thinkers of our time in the 20th century. He was a professor at Oxford in literature, and he also at one time later became the chair for Renaissance literature at, uh, at Cambridge. And so he's intellectual of intellectuals. And he was an author, and he wrote not only children's books, but he wrote a number of other books. And now you should know this about him, if you didn't, that at one point he was a professed atheist, didn't believe in God, and, uh, and, and, and there was just a lot of pressure around him, and, and there was a place in his life where he, where he renounced his atheism, and then shortly thereafter professed his faith in Jesus Christ, it's not only his belief in God, but his faith in Jesus. He, he wrote not only children's books, which are amazing and filled with all of this imagery. By the way, he kind of hung out with another guy that liked to write a few books, J.R.R. Tolkien, just, you know, lightweights when it comes to writing things, you know. But he wrote a book called Mere Christianity. Some of you maybe have read that. It's a book on apologetics of, of, of you know, his faith in God. Just incredible book. Um, just one of the classics of Christian apologetics. He wrote a book called The Problem of Pain. And he wrote this book during the World War II era when the world was just absolutely turned upside down and so much death and suffering and pain and bombings and holocaust, all kinds of, and he wrote this book. And, 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 and so he addressed these kinds of things that are going on, real things that are going on in our world. Now, he was a bachelor until he was 58 years old whenever he, he met this woman. This woman who is an American author, um, Joy Davidman, he married her when he was 58. They they believed they were going to live the rest of their lives together happily ever after. But tragically, four years later, this woman that he fell in love with, she got sick and she died from cancer. And it crushed him. It devastated him and devastated his faith. And he wrote another book. Actually, when he wrote it, he wrote it under a pseudonym because he wasn't sure how it would be received. But he wrote this book. I have it in my library it's called A Grief Observed. And it is not a how-to book, how to get through grief. You should, if you go read it, um, it's not that. What you're going to find is it's him chronicling and writing the feelings and the, and the emotions and the, the war that was going on with his feelings and his faith that 
all of us know what that's like at one point or another when we go through some suffering, which is very real in all of our lives. And he would write things like this. In fact, the very first words in the book, he, he says this, chapter 1, no one ever told me that grief felt so much like fear. I'm not afraid, but the sensation is like being afraid. The same fluttering in the stomach, the same restlessness, the yawning. I keep on swallowing. Go a few pages to page 12. He writes this, cancer, cancer, and more cancer. My mother, my father, my wife. I wonder who is next in the queue. I not only live each day in grief, but I live each day thinking about living in grief. He writes not far from that a question that maybe you have asked at some point. And he's just being real and raw. It's brutally honest where he writes this. Meanwhile, where is God? Have you ever thought that? Have you ever wondered that? Have you struggled with that question, this tension between belief and doubt, feelings and our faith that constantly seem to be combating one another at certain points. And, and this is coming from the person who did not believe in God, who now is wrestling, became a believer and, and now has written books about becoming a believer. And now he's, he's going through the experiences as a believer that we live in still this broken, messed up, sin-marred world he goes through a stretch where he wrestles with how he defines it as in his feelings of the absence of God. The absence of God. Now, there are some of you who may, when we read some things like this, you may be tempted to judge him. How, how could you think like that, you know? And, and, and you know, there's probably a good chance you, you haven't been through something traumatic. Or maybe you have and you... you you're processing better. But here's this thing. I don't want us to be judgmental. Everybody processes grief and struggles differently. We need to be gracious with each other. Be gracious with people, okay? If you're tempted to judge, but here's some of you, you don't, you don't judge because you're living that right now where you've been through that and you're struggling with that tension between your, your, your faith and your feelings, and, and it's a struggle, and maybe you're wrestling with those tough questions. Last week was, how long, God, as we talk about these struggles in the book of Psalms, and this week is a different question, is where are you, God? I mean, this is very real and raw stuff. There, there's some of you that you're in this place today. God knew you'd be here today. God God has something for you in this today. And if you're grieving, here's what I want you to know. And grief is so different. Grief is not just loss of a loved one. That is a type of grief. Grief can be a loss in a number of different ways. Could be a loss of a job. Could be loss of a way of life. Could be a loss of health. Could be just so many. So it could be a loss of a relationship. There's there's a number of different ways that and things that bring about loss and grief. Could be a loss of a dream you had that you're struggling through that right now. But here is what I think, and I want you to know. Books like A Grief Observed, and certainly the Book of Psalms, which is in God's. It's an errant word written by human authors, but infallible in the sense that God worked supernaturally through those authors. God preserved it for us. 
God recorded it for us. This is what this means for us, though, is that if you are grieving or you struggle or you have questions in your grief, this is what I want you to know. You can be a deep, devoted lover of Jesus, follower of Jesus, and still go through seasons where you feel lost, confused, struggling. I want you to know that, that's, that if that's where you are, you're not abnormal. Maybe that's where you are today, where you're asking this question, God, I, I just don't know where you are. I'm struggling. We've been in this, this series called Summer of Psalms, and I want you to go with me to Psalm 42. We're going to work our way through this. I want to give you some applications to pull out of this. If you're in a place where you feel that and you're wrestling with that, you're not abnormal. It's in God's word to be a model for us of as we work through the tension of our faith and our feelings. Psalm 42, we're going to read all of it, but I just want to kind of show you kind of the premise of this psalm. It goes like this, oh God, my rock, do you hear? He's like, you're my rock. And then in the very next breath, he says, I cry, why have you forgotten me? Do you see the tension? There's tension there. And sometimes it makes us uncomfortable, but, the, but it's in God's word. We need to embrace this and realize it's here for us. I, I, I mentioned last week, this is a psalm of what, what is called lament. It's a psalm of lament. There are 150 psalms. There are over one-third of them that are laments. Remember, a, a psalm of lament is a prayer it's a song. It was even set to music, and it was meant to be sung. They would sing corporately and privately. The psalms are meant to be read out loud. So it's not only just these private thoughts, but they're meant to be read. And here we have this, this kind of psalm. If we, we said if we put it in our own words, it would be like this. God, things are not okay. I'm not okay. I don't get this. And we need to talk. We said last week this psalm of lament is, is something that, that many people feel. And, and, it, and it really, I told you, I didn't understand the psalms as a teenager whenever I first started checking out, uh, reading the Bible for myself. And I was like, is it okay to talk like this to God? Is, is it okay? And I started realizing I relate to this. And I appreciate that this is the human condition and what we see is this, it's a model. We said last week that when you, if you haven't, go through your crisis in your life, a lot of people turn away and run away from God. What the Psalms show us is that even in your anger, even in your disappointment, your despair, we don't run away, turn away, we turn toward and we talk to even if you're angry and you express in honesty how you are really feeling, God is saying, come talk to me about it. He doesn't dismiss our feelings. He doesn't just say, get over it or whatever. What we find is that he welcomes honesty. I am committed to this because there was a time where I was not emotionally healthy, spiritually healthy, or physically healthy as the pastor of this church. Some of you were around back then. I got unhealthy in all of those areas. 
But I am committed to this in my life with boundaries and just learning about what creates that health in my life. And, and so I was messed up emotionally for a while, which affects the spiritual side of things, which affected the physical side of things for me. And it was just kind of all messed up. And, and, and I'm committed to this. I'm committed to that in my life because God wants me to be healthy. I'm not perfect, but I want to be healthy, well-balanced in those areas. And for that to happen, I had to get honest about myself and honest about some things that were not right. And I got alone with God, and we worked a lot of those things out, and I still have to do that on a regular basis. But here's something that that value in my life is a value that I pray over our church on a regular basis. I believe God wants you to be physically, emotionally, and spiritually healthy. This wholeness for our church Whole, well, not perfect, but, but we're being sanctified, growing to be more like him is what that means, okay, as we go through this process. But, but these psalms of lament, when we are in that dark night of the soul or that time where we're struggling, the psalms of lament are models for us. When I don't know what to say to God, and I've been in that place, they are a guide for us. That's why they have been given Sometimes I don't know what to say, and when I'm struggling, when things are not going well, it does not serve us well if I, as your pastor, am only preaching rainbows and ponies and all of that kind of stuff, because here's the thing that you know, that is not real life, right? You may be like, Bart, why so serious, man? Why so serious? Because there is not a week that goes by that I don't get a call from one of you that is going through the darkest tragedy of your life. Not a week in the size church we are now. And I feel it's my responsibility and our responsibility as pastors to not sugarcoat suffering, but to engage it and to deal with it and to talk with it and to take you to God's word and to anchor you in the dark night of your soul. We must engage that. And so it's important that, that we understand and that there is, and so it's important that there is, there is midst of this hope that God wants to that God wants us to have as an anchor, by the way. So in Psalm 42, let me give you some context, okay? When our feelings and our faith are, are struggling and we're, we're battling with that, here's what you got to know, okay? Psalm 42, we don't know exactly who wrote it. We think it was probably a collaboration. Uh, a lot of scholars say it, it, some of it, it sounds a lot like David. Maybe David wrote the lyrics. It says in your Bible, uh, kind of in the notes, it says this, that, that the sons of Korah, they were a part of the Levitical tribe there, so they were priests. And they were known to be great musicians. Maybe it was kind of like our, our music ministry that I love so much. They're collaborating. They're writing songs. And you'll see kind of they share that, right? It's neat. And maybe that's what happened. Regardless, what we do know is that this particular writer went through something that wrecked him emotionally. Man, I complain about a lot of first world problems. This was not a first world problem this guy was going through. He was going through grief of some sort. 
He had lost something, maybe a loved one, maybe, there, maybe like some of you are going through loss. It could be a loss of your marriage, it could be a loss of a job, it could be that loss of, as I said, a dream. This person has lost in his life. He is grieving, and in the midst of his grief, he feels that God is distant. Now, it's important that we talk about our feelings uh, and the feelings are, are, are not always truthful with us. Now, I'm not dismissing our feelings. They are real. We feel a certain way. God doesn't dismiss the feelings. But what we need to do is we need to understand that there are facts and there are feelings. Our feelings are all over the place. We need to, we need to be, and when they're all over the place, as we're going to read, we need to see that we need to press into the things that are actually true things that are true, okay? And again, that's not to dismiss the way we feel because we feel the way we feel. And God's, God shows us that this person was feeling like he was far away from, like God was far away from him. Here's another reason it's important that we talk about this because crises happen in people's lives, suffering happens and this is what I also see, and maybe you've experienced this, maybe you've been this, maybe you know someone. When suffering happens, it's also a time where people walk away. And, and they walk away. And, and it's important, again, that we, that we realize that God doesn't want us to walk away. He wants, he wants to be with us as, as we, and, and this is for us to coach. I can't be with everyone who suffers in our church. Maybe you're not going, maybe it's the best time of your life season is good right now. You need to praise God for that. But here's the other thing. You need to also understand that God is going to put you in the life of people who are also suffering. It may be the best time in your life. The person sitting in here next to you, it may be the worst time in their life. And God wants to equip you to know how to, listen to me, not fix them. Because you're not the Savior, nor am I. But really just to be a good listener and to, to help walk with them through what they are going through. So that they are not alone. So we begin to see that uh, I want you to think is this the context of this. Okay, uh, Hope and I had this opportunity, uh, you know, to go to Israel. And we were in a lot of desert while we were over there, different places. Uh, a lot of dryness there, and we drove through some areas that we think that probably Moses led the Israelites in the wilderness, in the desert. I bet Moses didn't get to do this, though. Check this out. There you go. Moses didn't do that. I bet he didn't. Now, maybe he did, but man, your pastor is sand surfing. How about that? I learned how to surf. Now, I, I nearly ate it right there, okay? That was, about, that was about to be bad, and there would have been sand in lots of places, if you know what I mean. I hate that. But... Um, but Hope and I, we, while we were there, I mean, it's dry. It's dry, it's desert, and, and you have to have water. It's hot. We don't know anything about being hot, right? Okay, um, but it's hot, and there's only one thing that truly, like, just quenches that thirst in that, in that, in that hot place, and it's good, cold, refreshing water. And, and, and so here's what I want you to think. This, the sun is beating down on you. The, uh, you're so thirsty, you can't find water. And by the way, I, I started realizing why the Israelites would have been complaining to Moses. What's going on? We need water here. But this writer is likening his current emotional state to this uh, intense dryness. This season 
of a deep thirst. And look at what he says, Psalm 42. Got to go quick here. He says, as the deer as the deer longs or pants, another way it translates, which you've seen like a dog panting or whatever. I've never seen a deer panting, just saying. But, but a dog that just is so thirsty, so for streams of water, so I long for you, oh God. I'm, I'm spiritually dehydrated, God. I'm so thirsty for something that will quench my my soul, and honestly, it's only you that can do this. So I long for you, O God. I thirst for God, the living God. When can I go and stand before him, he says. He's desperate. He's saying, you know, a deer is like an animal that is hunted. There are predators that get after it. It's like running through the And it's just like trying to just catch a break and just get a drink of water. I just need a reprieve. I feel like I'm on the run. I feel like I'm spiritually dehydrated is what this psalmist is saying. So that is about his thirst. And maybe you can relate to that. You feel kind of like that. It was everything within you just to make it today, but you're here. Or maybe you're listening online. You're here. So he says next, and maybe you felt this, and you're going to see this cycle. Day and night, here are his tears. Day and night, I have only tears for food. While my enemies continually taunt me, saying, where is this God of yours? And we don't know exactly what he's going through, but whatever it was had him on the verge of tears. I imagine every commercial he watched, he nearly started to cry, you know? You know what I'm talking about, okay? Um, Or he was just struggling. It was something that was so emotional for him that he was crying a lot. It was probably affecting his sleep. He didn't want to eat. He, he did, you know, he's just struggling. He's, he's just struggling. Saying the only thing that will satisfy, I'm so emotionally wrecked, is this experience with you. It's a good possibility this guy was struggling with some depression. Have you ever felt that before? I have. I've been in that place before. We acknowledge that here at EVC. We struggle with this. Some more than others. So Hope and I were, uh, we were walking on our way to the nativity area in Bethlehem, okay? And I looked across the street, and uh, we were with a group, and I looked across the street, and I saw this coffee shop right here. Check it out. See that? Stars and Bucks Cafe. I mean, they're not even trying to hide that. And you would think, I mean, I was laughing, taking pictures and everything, and I looked over to Two shops down, there's their competitor, their biggest competitor. You see that square bucks. <laughs> like, are you serious? I'm like, I've got to go find out what kind of drinks, but I was with a group. I wanted to go get it, you know, I gotta go get something over there. I thought it's knockoff of who of we know who, okay? And uh, but I wondered if they had knockoff drinks, you know. I was like, man, I could use an espresso right now, but I wonder what they sell. Do they sell depresso? Whatever, okay. <laughs> My sick brain. Have you ever had the drink Depresso? I have. It's bitter. And maybe you have had that and you're struggling with that. This guy is saying, I am in the darkest place in my life right now. Right? And to make it worse... He doesn't have friends coming around him. He has people taunting him. So he not only, 
he not only is looking like or feeling like God is distant, he has others that are looking at him and they are saying, where's your God? So others, he looks like, he looks like God has abandoned him too. He's wrestling so much with this. You have his thirst, his tears, the taunts from others. And now he begins to talk about his thoughts about the past and just other things that were going on. He reaches back to remember a time where God felt close to him. And he has that time. And he has to go back and try to remember this. Where the fellowship, not only with God was good, but he had other people who were Lovers and followers of God who were in his life, there was good fellowship. The worship was powerful. He had experienced that. And so he says in verse 4, my heart is breaking as I remember how it used to be. I walked among the crowd, crowds of worshipers. He even says, leading a great procession to the house of God, singing for joy and giving thanks amid the sounds of a great celebration. He said, I remember a place, a time where you felt so close to me. I remember the people you put in my life who I was walking with. I even led people to your house. And some of you, maybe, maybe that has been your experience. But, but the, the experience you're in right now has just really, it's just drained you. And you're tired and you're exhausted. And this is where this guy so... I want you to see. I wish I could tell you that the psalm ended right there, but what you're going to see is it doesn't. There's going to be a second verse and a second chorus, and it's like same verse, same song. And he ends up saying this, right? He starts talking to himself. He's talking it out with God. He starts talking to himself, and he says this, Why am I so discouraged? I do that whenever I'm mowing. I talk to myself. Hope says, you look like you're crazy when you're mowing the yard. Some of you see, I'm talking to myself. If I'm in conflict with another person, I'm talking to you too. I want you to know. I'm talking it out. Okay? Why am I so discouraged as I, he goes on, why is my heart so sad? And then he's going to start preaching to himself. I will put my hope in God. I will praise him again my Savior and my God. He's, he's, he's starting to preach to himself. He's making a choice of who and what. He'll actually put his hope in because there's so many things if you put your hope in, they're relative. They're all over the place. I need something that is stable. So he's talking to himself. He's talking to God. And again, I wish it ended there, but it doesn't. And again, what I want you to hear is this. The human experience is that our emotions are up and down. They're all over the place. I also want you to hear that grief is not linear. Grief is often cyclical and it comes back at certain points and certain moments because you're going to see that he's not done. He's, he, he's good. And then it, it kicks off again where it starts doing these things. And I just want you to know that some of you when I hear about the things that you go through and that you're struggling with, my heart breaks for you. And then there are those that I've talked with that not only are you struggling with the, the difficulty that's in your life, sometimes we complicate it further because we're struggling with doubts. And then we, because we're doubting, we start, we start like, you know, having this condemnation that is upon us and it, it, it just amplifies it even more, right? And what I'm wanting you to see is that, is that the doubts are normal. 
And it comes from people who love God, who love Jesus. And I want you to see that God in his goodness and in his graciousness has put this in his word for us. He has recorded it for us to see that this is a normal part of being human and that he is gracious with us when we have big questions that we don't have answers to. We see that I want you to think about how gracious he was, Jesus was, with his disciples whenever they abandoned him, when they turned on him, when they doubted him. They had lived with him for three years. Thomas, he pursued. Peter, who denied, he pursued. He forgave, he restored, and he released. Right? We, I just want you to see that it's normal. If you're struggling with that, it's normal. Stop beating yourself up. If that's what you're doing, maybe that's not your struggle today, but some we overcomplicate. I just want us to know that God is gracious with us and he welcomes our questions and he wants to work in the midst of our brokenness. So so he's preaching to himself and now it's like this ping pong of the soul is happening. Have you ever felt that? One day he's good, next day he's struggling. One day he's good, it's like back and forth. That's what the psalm is like. It's not this flow to where everything perfectly resolves. He goes back to a place. He says in verse 7, I hear the tumult of the raging seas as your waves and surging tides sweep over me. Okay? Right before that, he says this. Okay, actually, I skipped a verse. I'm sorry. Go back to verse 6. Now I am deeply discouraged, but I will remember you. Even from, the, the, from distant Mount Hermon, the source of the Jordan, from the land of Mount Mizar. And some of you are like, that doesn't mean anything to me, okay? All the listeners and hearers of that song, when they hear Mount Hermon, they would have, they would have thought about this, okay? They understood that it was, it was the largest or, or the, the highest elevation in Israel in the north. It, there was an abundance of water, you see the snow collecting there. There are waterfalls everywhere that are flowing down in the mouth of the Jordan River. And he said, I remember the place where my walk with you, it was like there was an abundance. But now I'm in a place of scarcity. He's going back to a place. Do you see? He's remembering. He's remembering a place. But, okay, now we go to verse 7. I hear the tumult of the raging seas. You see him kind of going back and forth. As your waves and surging tides sweep over me, he said, I remember the abundance and the peacefulness, but now it's like I'm caught in a riptide and I'm being tossed around. My emotions are all over the place, God. And I know that some of you can relate to this because it's like he uses this imagery of water. Wave after wave. Because, I mean, we all know only one bad thing happens in our life, right? Come on. Isn't it one thing right after another, after another, after another? Because this isn't heaven yet. And it makes us, as we think about this, you know what it makes us do? Thirst for what Jesus came for. To restore not only my soul, but to restore even this world in which we live out of the brokenness. You know, he came not only to redeem you, but to redeem this world. To redeem the Everything in this world to where there will be no more sorrow, no more suffering. No, but we're not there yet. We're not there. And this pattern emerges, okay? And I know that some of you feel this. 
you're exhausted. He seems really tired. He says that he is. You're tired. And if you are, again, I'm not telling you these things to depress you. What I'm trying to show you is this, is that it's normal, and I'm, I'm encouraging you to hang on because I want you to see how, what does he do with this? And I, I'm going to make this application, these applications quick for you. Look at what he begins to say. But each day the Lord pours his unfailing love. There's the water imagery again. Pours unfailing love. It's hesed love. In the Hebrew it means his loyal love, his pursuing love. One moment he says you feel distant, but then now that's my feeling. He's coming in with facts about God's character, about what is actually true. And it's this, God, I may feel that you're distant, but what I know about you and your character is that you are constantly pursuing me. Just like Danny was saying earlier in Luke 15, Jesus said, I'm pursuing you. I pursue you. That's why I came for you. But he goes on, look, oh my God, oh God, my rock, I cry. One way he's feeling, but why have you forgotten me? I, why must I wander around in grief, oppressed by my enemies? Their taunts break my bones. They scoff. Where is this God of yours? Why am I discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? His mind is at war with his soul. But then he says, but I will put my hope in God. I will praise him again, my Savior and my God. So what do I do with this? What do I do when I feel God is distance? Here's your applications just right out of the Bible. Okay, and maybe this is for you. Maybe it's for somebody who's walking through this. By the way, if someone you know is, is walking through this, you're not the one to fix them, but you're just to walk with them. And just really, let me tell you what they probably need more than anything else is not the advice and everything else. They probably more than anything need you to listen. If I've learned anything about walking with people, through stuff. It's listen more than you talk. Listen. But what if it's you? Here's, here's what we pull out of this. You got to be honest with God. You got to get honest with God and you need some, some trusted friends that you can also be honest with in your struggle. He gets honest with God. Last week we said, be real about how you feel. Talk toward God. Don't turn away. Talk to him. Tell him everything. Don't hold back. Many turn away, and they begin on a journey into cynicism and on a journey that is this sliding slope away from him. But Psalm 42 is brutally honest. There's raw emotion, and here's what it basically means, and this is our philosophy of our church. I didn't come up with this. Other churches didn't come up with this. This is just straight out of the Bible, essentially, okay? Is this, is what we find in Psalm 42 is it is okay for you to not be okay. I don't want you coming in here pretending. God doesn't expect that from you. In your smaller groups, he doesn't want you pretending. He wants you to be in a place where you can be real. And it's when we get real is when health begins to happen. Okay, but so you need, you need to be real with God, but you also, you, he starts reflecting upon when he was in this group with some others and you need a few people in your life. Don't, don't be saying everything to everybody all the time. You need a few people you can count on. That's why it's important that you not only be in worship here, but that you have a small group somewhere where you can just be real with the people that you're walking together with. And that you can listen to them and they can listen to you. And there's health that is found in this. 
So you got to be honest with God and you got to be honest with each other. And here's another thing that you want to do is that you want to remember God's faithfulness in your past. He goes back to the faithfulness of, in his past to gain perspective in the pain of your present. That's why the Lord gave us the Lord's Supper. For us to keep coming back to remembering his, what he did for us so that we can endure what we're experiencing right now. You got to go back to, he went back to some places. Go back to these places. Force yourself to go back to the time where there was this experience with God. And that's what begins to anchor our soul in that he was faithful then. He certainly can be faithful to us right now. I've got some places like that. Some of you, where was that place for you when he saved your soul? Where he met you, where he provided something. But you got to go back to that place. Go to that place and remember, and here's your final thought on this, okay? I see this in every psalm of lament. You've got to preach to your soul. You got to keep preaching to your soul. You're going to feel a certain way, but you got to keep preaching into your soul. And not just preaching what the world is telling you to preach. What you want to preach to your soul is God's word. And you may be like, I don't, I don't know God's word. Then, then you need to start reading it, reading it every day, even when you don't feel like it. And then you're going to come across passages that are found like in Romans 8 where you're feeling like God is distant, Jesus is distant, but then you're going to read passages or you're feeling condemned. You're going to read Romans 8 and you're going to hear things like this. You're going to hear there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You're going to hear as you read that as God's going to speak into your soul that even when you feel distant that God says nothing will separate you from the love of God. Those are the facts. You know what I mean? Those are the facts that speak into the way that you're feeling. You're going to come across these things like what Jesus said, if you are spiritually thirsty, where you're spiritually thirsty on the very last day of a festival, Jesus said these words. Jesus stood and shouted to the crowds, and some of you who are thirsty this morning, this is what he shouts to you. Anyone who is thirsty, look at what he says. Come to me. Jesus says, come to me. If you're parched, you're spiritually dehydrated, come to me. Anyone who believes in me, he says, may come and drink. For the scriptures declare rivers of living water will flow from his heart. Jesus invites you to come to him in your spiritual thirst. I want to pray with you today. And I know that some of you are struggling today. And I want to pray over you that God's peace would meet you right where you are. I want to encourage you to come to Jesus. He welcomes you. Talk to him. Tell him your frustrations. Some of you, maybe your action point is you need a community of believers around you to walk with you. Who won't try to fix you, but just, just listen. Share those burdens one another, with one another. So, Father, we, we pray. I pray specifically for your peace just to rest upon every person who is here today and who is listening online. And I thank you, Jesus, because of the cross and because of the resurrection, that, Lord, one day 
I'm going to have a brand new body. And we're going to live in a brand new place because you said you're making all things new. That this isn't all that there is. And that we will be, because of Jesus, in a place, for those who have put their faith in you, Lord, a place where there is no more suffering, no more pain, no more tears, no more thirst for you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus, for making that possible. We receive your peace today. It's in Jesus' name.